Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunrise. Welcome on this wonderful Easter day. Happy Easter, and He is risen. Yes, amen. Well, welcome to you guys in the service today. Welcome to all of you online with us. I'm sure there are quite a few of you afar on spring break, spring break watching online. So welcome to you guys. Special welcome to our guests with us for the first time. If you're a guest with us online, there'll be a little link that's going to pop up. And we'd love you guys to click on that. That's going to bring, us, bring you to our website. with A little form that you guys can put in just some information about you. You can ask any questions about Sunrise. And that uh, if you fill that out, we'd love to just go ahead and send you a gift later this week for just saying thanks for hanging out with us today. For those of you in the service, to you're here with us today for the first time, scan that QR code you may see in front of you on one of the chairs. That'll bring you to that same form on that website. And again, if you fill that out, we'd love to send you a gift this week. And if you're here in service for the first time, at the end of the service, we'd love for you to take off and go to the Connect table at the end of the service. And we have a gift to hand you for coming and thank, saying thank you today for coming with us. Anyway, well, we had a nice, a nice, good Friday service on Friday for those of you who could join us. It was just a nice time that we dove into the scriptures. We considered the final three hours of Jesus's life, all the pain and agony and suffering he went through. But today, just a few days later, we get to celebrate the wondrous miracle of his resurrection. So Jesus poured out his love for us so today as we sing and we worship together, let's pour out our love and our praise for him. Why don't you guys stand with us as we worship and sing to him today. Let's sing. I was buried beneath my shame. could carry that kind of weight. It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried. called my name and I ran out of that grave you called my name into your glorious day oh you called my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into glorious day now your mercy has saved my soul now your freedom is all that I know the old made new Jesus, when I met you, you called my name, 
And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day Yeah, you call my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day heavy the chains break at the weight of your glory i needed shelter i was an orphan now you call me citizen of heaven i am my burden now you're my healing now your love is the air that i'm breathing i have a future i wasn't knowing now when you called my name I searched the world But it couldn't fill me A man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough Then you came along And put me back together and every desire is now satisfied Oh, here in your love Oh, there's nothing better than you There's nothing better than you Oh, there's nothing Oh, nothing is better than you Oh, no, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Because the God of the mountains. 
is the God of the valley. No, there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Sing it out. Oh, there's nothing better than you.
Great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross is spoken i am forgiven the King of Kings calls me His own. Beautiful Savior, oh, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Hallelujah, He's the one who set me free. has lost its grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ oh my living oh sing that again hallelujah oh hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost its grip on me broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope and came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me Say it again then came the morning that sealed the promise your very body began to breathe out of the silence
so good so good to sing of your praises you truly have broken every chain through your sacrifice you have turned our shame into glory and our graves into gardens God you take what's broken down beaten up prideful sinful and make it whole and new again thank you God that you are our living hope Jesus, that you didn't, you aren't just some idea that we read about in the Bible or just a person that lived a couple thousand years ago, but you are living now through your resurrection. Yes, God, we thank you and we praise you today. It's in your awesome holy name we pray. Amen. You guys can take a seat. He is risen. He is risen. Hey, all right. Some of you grew up in Baptist or Reformed churches like I did. <clears throat> Welcome. My name is Dan Fisher, and we are glad that you're here. Uh, over the last several weeks, we've taken the time to look at different stories of Scripture, stories that you can see summarized up here that have helped us realize how it is God interacts with us. On Good Friday, we took the time to wrestle with this symbol to remind ourselves again of the reality that the God of heaven who oversaw everything that happened in every one of these stories summarized here and still is overseeing all of our lives right now for some reason found himself on a cross. And today we get to celebrate Easter, this day, a couple of days after the cross, where we can celebrate the power of God. 
But before we get there, we do have this story of the cross. And that story of the cross is still firmly in the hearts and minds of those first followers of Jesus who saw him on resurrection morning. And Luke tells us a little bit about this interaction that they had with Jesus. You can follow along with me if you'd like in Luke chapter 24. Where Luke, a doctor who followed Jesus, wrote these words. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared. This is a normal thing. This is not like taking cinnamon and sprinkling it over your cinnamon rolls. This is taking preservatives and putting it over the body of a loved one who had passed away in order to give them dignity in their death. So they prepared these spices. They went to the tomb. They found the stone. It's the stone that was over the cave or the room, the enclosure. The Bible calls it the tomb that Jesus was in. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were there wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Pause button for a moment. Why do we look for the living among the dead? Hang on to that question. Two men go on to say, he's not here. Jesus is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. (laughs) Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, these women told all these things to the 11, the 11 followers of Jesus. There's not 12 here because Judas Iscariot had run away. And they sold this to all the others as well. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But the apostles did what a lot of men did back then. They didn't believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, he got up, he ran to the tomb, bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, knowing that Jesus had been risen. No, he goes away, wondering to himself, what's happened? Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, he asked them this question, what are you discussing together as you walk along? I want that question to stick with us too, I'll say it again, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Father, we come to you this morning much like the disciples did that first Easter morning, much like these women who came to you as people who in their time were not valued enough, were not valued enough to be picked as those who would first receive the greatest news the world had ever received, that you had been resurrected. Father, we thank you that you took the time to send your son from the highest mountain of heaven to descend into our deepest valleys of a cruel sometimes feels like a worthless, thrown-away life in order to bring us life. And so, Father, we pray that this morning, as we look at your word, that you would help us to see you well, that we would see that you are a God who brings life out of death. In Christ's name, amen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? 
This is a question that the women asked, uh, that w- the women were asked by these two angels of God. Why do you look for the living among the dead? This must have been a question that for these women prompted some deep thought, some confusion perhaps. I mean, it was Jesus, this man who proclaimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God, who had delivered so much hope to these disciples, to these women as well who followed him. He was the one who would come and bring life to everyone, and yet just a couple of days before, this Savior of the world is nailed to a tree. And Jesus himself is killed. Jesus, the one who comes and says, I am the Son of God. If you believe in me, I will bring you to God. And yet two days before this Sunday morning, Jesus dies on a cross, seemingly bringing no one to God with him, and instead leaves behind his closest, most dedicated followers. What a disappointment. Think about the the bosses that you've had in life, the ones you've really liked, not the ones you haven't liked. (laughs) Hopefully you've at least had one that you've liked. And they tell you that when you're hired, you're going to get a raise after a little bit. We're going to take care of you. We're going to make sure that life for you looks good. For me, that was when I was done with my first year of college, when I realized that I had to actually pay for college. I was in a huge amount of debt. I got a job with a really great guy, and he took care of me. He helped me pay the bills. But then imagine if that boss, after telling you that he was going to help you take care of things, help you get your life set up well so that you could move well into the future, leaves. Not much warning. No real help for you. He's disgraced. Accused of doing things that are just not true, of embezzling money, of cheating his clients. Suddenly your (laughs) confidence in that leader takes a dip. Jesus is much more than just an employer, a leader like that. He is the God of heaven who from the very heights where God viewed and caused the creation of the world, Jesus was with God at that time. It is from those heights that Jesus descended to wear human clothing to be with us, to bring us a life that we could not have ourselves. And he does it by being nailed to a tree. The fact that Jesus is crucified is not something that is historically argued The fact of the matter is that Jesus came to this earth and there is a time in this time and space world that we live in where Jesus was literally nailed to a literal couple pieces of wood and died. Meaning the God of heaven in the time and space and matter of what we call heaven where God dwells came into the time and space and matter that we live in as human beings and when he died on the cross, he fused together those two realities. Those moments where the spaces of life of where God dwells and where we dwell come together and the space seems thin. We sing those songs, right? Those times when you're looking at your kids and it's not like last night where they were fighting with each other, but this morning they're getting along pretty well. And this whole idea of what it looks like to enjoy family, of what it looks like to be good parents for your kids to get along well, this idea that's up here that seems so unattainable somehow finds its way down just low enough that you can taste what it means to live a life 
where as a family you get along well. It's something like that that happens on the cross. Where God of heaven decides to step into our world and bring together the reality of who God is with the reality of our world. And he does it in a way that confounds us. But if we can take the time to understand it, it brings great hope. I mean, there have been times when many of us have been metaphorically nailed to a tree, right? Our lives have been such a disappointment that we have been pushed away by others. We've been abandoned by some. Some of those people who have abandoned us have been our family or our friends, our employers. Maybe we've abandoned ourselves. And instead of living on the mountaintop of life, we've descended so deep into the valleys of life that death seems to overtake us, not necessarily physically, but emotionally, spiritually, relationally. See, I think that Jesus suffers such a difficult death in order to communicate to us that he himself is willing to descend from the highest mountain and enter the deepest valleys, not just of what general humanity of life looks like, but into the deepest valleys of what my life looks like and what your life looks like, where we are a display of the most disappointing version of what a human being can be. And yet God comes to that place. And he says, out of love, I'm going to be there with you. So this question that these angels ask the women who are there, why do you look for the living among the dead, becomes an operative question for us even today. In those moments when we live in the deepest, darkest valleys of our lives, where we have been such a disappointment to ourselves, to the people around us, we've grabbed the substances, we've consumed the things, we've invested our lives poorly here or there, and those thoughts or those memories of those times sink deeply into our brains so that we think about them even when we don't want to. Those are the times when we have been looking for life, something that will bring us out of our deep valleys. And I don't know about you, but those times when I have made awful decisions and I'm down in that valley of depression or anxiety or disappointment or frustration or a sense of worthlessness and I've been embarrassed, I felt abandoned. So often my eyes don't look up for help but they stay horizontal or they look even down further. Why do I, why do we sometimes when we are in our darkest moments of life look for something that will bring us life down in the depths of our valleys? Jesus tells us, just like he told the disciples, you're going to find life in me. You're not going to find it somewhere else. The disciples like we had forgotten that Jesus said these words and that they were true. That if we look to Jesus and we follow him, we will find life. But the disciples find themselves looking in this tomb, the place where dead life is, where death itself has full reign. And in this question, the first followers of Jesus are forced to ask themselves, why are you looking in a cold, dark place where you know there is no life for this Jesus who you know is alive? 
question for you and for me is, why do we look in this cold, dark world where we know that there is nothing that can fully satisfy for the kind of hope and life that only Jesus can bring? When these women find out, they realize that the orientation of their minds is wrong, that this Jesus that they were looking for had actually done what he said he would do. He died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb, and he rose again. They go back to the disciples and tell them, guys, you've got to hear what happened. We went to this this place where Jesus' body was, and he is not there, he's risen. What he said he would do has actually happened but just like you and me, sometimes we read this story and we think, how? That's nonsense. Really? Like, <laughs> like, really what happened was Jesus was just really exhausted. He had been beaten up and he was just in this tomb, this place to rest for a while. And then some people came and put the work in to move this heavy stone and get him out and take him somewhere else. That's a lie that in the book of Matthew we find that it's the religious The professional Christians came up with that story to try to silence the hope that people would find in Jesus. And Jesus shows up at the end of this story that Luke tells us in Luke 24. Jesus himself came up and he walks alongside them. If we take the time to notice it, we see Jesus walking along the paths of life with us. Those moments when we're walking with someone who in the depths of their own poor decisions or in the depths of the consequences of the decisions that other people have made, there is yet still a sense of hope. You and I know the stories. Maybe we are the characters in the story of God coming to us in the deepest parts of our lives. And he's brought wholeness. Those spaces where we thought that we could just never, ever, ever be good enough for God to love us. Because we've looked at this too much. Because we made this decision so many times. Because we're only, in this case, as the story happened that morning, we're just women. Or we're just uneducated. Or we're just this, or we're just that, and yet Jesus has shown up in your life to make himself real to you. Jesus shows up in this story to these disciples. He poses a simple question to them. What are you discussing together as you walk along the way? Sunrise parents, students, staff, Elders, directors, small group leaders, singles, grandparents. What are you discussing as you walk along the way? As you take your children to school, as you pick up your grandkids, as you go to baseball games and you go to the 13th wrestling match of the weekend, (laughs) what are you talking about as you walk along the way? The disciples we know are wrestling with what it is that actually happened between the day that Jesus was on the cross and the day that he was resurrected and what in the world that means for them as they walk throughout life. Because it is in the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus that the revolution God was starting happens. 
It is the time when the goodness of God, the space where he lives and the space where we live, come together and Jesus says, I don't care about the distance that is between us. I don't care about the disappointment that you are. I love you and I will conquer death for you. And so this poses all kinds of questions for us. We have to remember again, what is this kingdom that God is establishing, trying to help us understand as we look at the story of creation or the story of the exodus in Moses, the story of Daniel, where we read that God will rescue and overcome for us, the story of Jesus coming and Christmas when God is with us and so on. How do we see all of these things rightly now that we know Jesus himself has come to be the savior of the world, not just to live with with us and to teach us what we should do, but to give himself up so that the deaths of our lives must and can succumb to the life that God brings. It is Easter morning where we realize the depth of what God has been saying throughout his entire story that we read in Scripture. And that is that God forces death to succumb to life. There is no formula in this world where when someone is put to death that there's any way for them to come back to life. In this world, life always succumbs to death. But when God steps in and Jesus dies, a new pattern is set up where death must succumb to life. And so I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what your death, what your deepest valleys look like. But there is no other day in any calendar that should give you more hope that your death can be overcome with life than Easter morning. Is it because of Christ's work on the cross and the presence of his love in our lives that marriages that were once on the rocks have been made whole? Where children who have walked difficult paths away from the Jesus, away from their families that have loved them, have finally come back to God because with God, death must succumb to life. My story is one where I grew up mired in this sense that the rules that I had to follow were too heavy for me to bear myself, and I constantly lived in a state of death. I am not good enough. I knew what it felt like to be on a cross, feeling like I was such a disappointment to everyone around me that there was no way I could be rescued. And yet it's on this cross that I find a Jesus who says, I am coming for you out of love, not to condemn you, but to rescue you. And the only way that I can believe that what Jesus did on the cross was worth it and could actually save me is if he was able to save himself from the depth of the death that he himself experienced. And that is exactly what he did on this Easter morning. And I don't know what your story is. But I know that if you take the time to review your story and you see the depths of your death and you realize again the work that Jesus did on the cross to give you his love, that it causes you, it causes me to shift how it is we view life and what it is we talk about. Because it's on this cross that a new revolution begins. 
where life is flipped upside down. Instead of death conquering life, life conquers death. And this new reality requires that we reorient our minds. In the words of Paul, that we renew our minds. And so we're going to continue this story that we've started looking at the story of Scripture. We're going to continue looking at what life looks like after the resurrection because it's only after the resurrection that the disciples begin to realize in the rearview mirror of things what exactly it is that the cross and the resurrection actually mean. And so if this morning you don't have all the answers for what exactly it is that happened on Easter, welcome to the party because the disciples didn't either. But the invitation of Jesus the imitation of this church is that you would step into the new life that Jesus offers and walk with us along the journey as we discover more and more of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and a God who brings life out of death. Father, we come to you this morning as a people whose lives uh, have been quite a disappointment to ourselves. And we can tell ourselves that our lives have been a disappointment to you. And yet, God, there was nothing that could have happened when Jesus came to this earth to cause a U-turn for him to go back. There's nothing in our lives that could cause you to push us away, to abandon us. God, it is your love that brought you to the cross. It is the power of your love that brought life to Jesus that brings us life. So God, I pray that this morning as we go home, as we take the time to celebrate the fact that you bring life even to the deepest depths that we could ever experience, that it would shift the things that we talk about, that we would continue to look for our life from you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to continue to sing, continue to worship our God our risen King. As we do that, as we sing together, we'll take this time um, to give our tithes and offerings, not with ushers coming forward, but you guys can do that online or you can do that on the way out, um, popping it in the little bucket on the table stand on the way out. But let's, um, let's think on that. Let's think on how God gave his son, Jesus, our sacrifice so generously to us and we can be generous to him to sow into the kingdom. So why don't we sing and worship together? Praise for 
went out and death had claimed its victory the king of love had given up his life the darkest day in history there on a cross they made for sinners 
every curse is blood atoned. One final breath and it was finished. But not the end we could have known. For the earth began to shake And the veil was torn What sacrifice was made As the heavens roared All hail King
pattern of the Savior of the world who came and in the midst of death was brought back to life. Right now as we look at the, the grass in our yards, the flowers, we can see the death that was once there being overcome by the life of blossoms coming back up. It's the power of death, the words that I'm using today, is the power of Satan himself, the power of everything that is wrong in this world that is crushed by the life of Christ. So just as the cross and as Jesus invites us to continue following him, we invite you to continue walking with us along the way so that we can rediscover again what it is that Jesus teaches us as he lives his life, as he dies, and as he comes back to life so that we can live into this kingdom that he's shaped for us. That is our prayer for you. As you go in this week, may you go with great joy. May you go with great confidence that even the death that you experience somehow through the work of Christ results in life. We love you. Have a great week. And happy Easter.